what if living your best self and your ideal life was your religion, your God? Welcome to the Church of Awesome, a podcast dedicated to the principles of living an awesome life. Welcome to the Church of Awesome podcast. I am your catalyst of transformation, Brett Dupree. In these trying times, mostly, I have been talking about trying times, but today is about Pavlovian responses for joy. Why was I sparked in doing this? I believe it was because my girlfriend, who is a sweetheart, bought me a gift, a smoke quartz meditation necklace type thing. And so I put it on this morning to when I, after I drank my cacao. And did my meditation. Another Joe Dispenza one. His voice is so weird. And I noticed the weight of this. And an idea sparked in my mind. Which is, I should wear this, even though I'm wearing it now, when I meditate. Because it would create a Pavlovian response to meditation. And every time you put on these beads, I would feel calm and relax. I learned of, well, basically the term Pavlovian comes from Pavlov, who created a dog experiment. A dog experiment. He created an experiment where he would feed his dog and ring a bell, feed a dog and read a bell, ring a bell, and feed a dog and ring a bell. After a few times of doing that, he noticed that if he just rang the bell, the dog would produce saliva. He was one of the first people to notice that if you have a stimulus enough times, your response will become automatic. Basically, this is the groundwork for neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and all those things. I have dabbed in it myself in two ways. The first is I am not a good sleeper. I suck at sleeping. I always sucked at sleeping all my life. When I was young, I still remember being five years old looking up at the ceiling and not being able to sleep. My mind would just keep on going on. And this never improved. I always remember not being able to go to sleep. A good night would be half an hour to take me to get to sleep. And a good night. I hated going to sleep for this reason. It was just an exercise in frustration. And I learned one day I was at grad night. Grad night, for the people who don't know, is this night where the instead of where parents set up a in the school get together and they set up a night for grads to go out and do something fun instead of having sex and doing drugs. During this grad night, it was at a one of those fun centers with video games. You got to play free, a dance floor, and sumo wrestling, but. The night ended at like 2 a.m. It was a really late night with hypnosis, comedy hypnosis. And he did this relaxation ritual where you relax every part of your body and then he put him to sleep. One day I thought, what if I did that? And every night I was able to, I went through the process of him putting them in hypnosis, the relaxation. I did that every night. And all of a sudden, I was able to go to sleep. But one thing I noticed is after a while, I didn't need to do that ritual anymore. Instead of my bed becoming something what kept me up, 
it became something that actually put me to sleep. And now I'm able to go to sleep relatively fine. I mean, some nights, of course, are bad. But for the most part, unless something is really on my mind, I'm able to go to sleep really quickly. And I became obsessed with this aspect of it. And I decided, after much research, to make my bedroom my sleep room. It could also be my meditation room, but a place where I relax. So no TV, no listening to radio, or not radio, yeah. No listening to radio or film. (laughs) No listening to music and things like that as I go to sleep. And that creates a Pavlovian response where bed equals sleep, and then I can sleep better. I also notice this in public speaking. I love public speaking now, and I used to hate it. The thought of getting in front of people used to scare the bejeebus out of me. I had this extreme fear of shyness of being in front of people and looking like a fool or have what people thought of me. And I really wanted to become a public speaker. That's been one of my lifelong goals is to become a professional public speaker. This seems super fun. But I wanted to get over that. I wanted to be a speaker in joy. Somebody who can get up there and inspire people. I was listening to one of the creators of neuro-linguistic programming. One of the gurus, if you will, Richard Bandler. One of my favorite people to listen to. And he said something that always sparked my interest. Which is, if you want to change somebody's emotional state, if you want to really touch somebody, to go there first. In his story, he noticed that a lot of people were talking in hypnosis that you had to have a disconnect from people. You had to be in the state where you're neutral so the other person can go down. But he noticed if he could feel those feelings, then they can feel those feelings. So I wanted to become somebody who inspires joy, inspires love, inspires expansion when I go out and speak. The problem was, of course, was that's not how I felt. I felt afraid. I felt subconscious. I felt nervous. I felt anything but expanded and joyful. So I utilized some of Bandler's techniques. You could read it in one of his books. I think it's called You Can Change Your Life. One of my favorites. And he talked about this idea of spinning. So you fill your emotion. Where do you feel it in your body? What direction is it spinning? And then you like bring it out of your body, flip it up and move it around. And then you anchor it. Anchor is just another Pavlovian idea where you just press a part of your body. And every time you press a part of that body, your body's natural response, your memory unleashes that emotion. I mean, you can see this in your life if you had a traumatic effect. For instance, if you had a negative bad effect of something happened to you, and someone grabbed you on the back of the shoulder right before that happened, every time someone grabbed you on that shoulder in that certain way, you'd feel that rush of feeling again. You notice this a lot on people. Trauma. In fact, most triggering slash anchoring happens in trauma because strong emotion causes a strong response. And the stronger the emotion, the stronger the anchor. And so I worked on that. And I decided it was hitting my heart center. So every time I do it, I hit my heart center. Bump, bump. Every time I go up and speak, bump, bump. Hitting my heart center, hitting my heart center, hitting my heart center. And I put all this excitement, love, joy, every good feeling I can every time. Bam, hit my heart center, go out and speak. Hit my heart center, go out and speak. Hit my heart center, go out and speak. I mean, I was in a Toastmasters club, so I got to speak roughly a lot. 
you know, I've done over 100 speeches in Toastmasters in my, t- well, now 10 years, but shoot, now I've probably done like 120, 150 speeches. But every time I do speak, even if it's just table topics, which generally try to do every day, or evaluation, which I have generally do once a month, at least, if not twice a month, because I always volunteer to be an evaluator. Always hitting the heart center, always hitting the heart center, always hitting the heart center. So I remember as I was going up there, I would bam, bam, get up there, be excited, joyful, bam, and get better and better at it. You know, it wasn't just a one and done. Bam, I feel it, and then I'd go out there and, you know, blow the crowd away. It would still feel nervous, but after a while, I got to the point where I just felt excited, where I felt everything about it, and it felt great to get in front of people. And then I noticed something weird. Eventually, I grew to love public speaking. The thoughts of fear, the thoughts of looking in the crowd and having each person think negative of me or judging me or whatever, those thoughts went away. All that was there was that happy, joy-filled response. And eventually, I got to the point where the thought of public speaking felt good. Instead of bringing fear, anxiety, stress, getting out in front of somebody felt good. I mean, I'm not saying I just feel zero stress. It became a different kind of stress. I learned about this actually when I was young, something called eustress, which is positive stress. The idea of eustress is that stress you feel when you're playing a board game or you're doing a physical challenge or any challenge that you enjoy. If you're trying to do an art project in a certain amount of time or you wanted to look a certain way, you feel that kind of stress, but it's enjoyable. It's that enjoyable stress of when you put a challenge that you enjoy, whatever that is for you. A lot of the examples of this was playing sports when I was a kid because that's what we can understand. When you're going out there and playing football with your friends, there is a bit of stress because you want to do your best, you want to win, but it isn't negative. I mean, if you're enjoying the stress, you're not going to collapse and cry and shut down. You're going to enjoy that feeling. It's actually a very good feeling, that positive stress, the you stress. And that's what I started to feel when I publicly spoke. I went from someone who was completely afraid to publicly speak to somebody who enjoyed it. So the goal in life is to try to create these anchors as best you can. And sometimes it's hard to not succumb to the negative anchors in life. We're going through this COVID-19 and seeing conspiracy theories have become one of my negative anchors that just puts me in a space of negativity. And I was listening to this podcast about, it's called Some More News Podcast. It's this podcast that is based off these two people who used to be on crack.com, Katie Stolen, Cody Johnson. They have some news on YouTube. I love it. It's a funny way of looking at the frustrations of this life that we live in. And I was listening to Some More News a couple days ago, and Robert Evans, who I also like, he's a fun left-wing, kind of almost kind of anarchist, if you will, a left-wing libertarian, I would say. And he talked about this incident. He read on Twitter, even though this might have never happened because you never know, that someone was sad that her father, who was a Trump-loving, COVID-19-denying person, died of COVID-19. And his thought was, at first, was good, one less of them. But then he thought to himself... This is not how we change. This is not a positive response. And this is not how we change the world. We don't change the world by looking at people who disagree with us, who are on the other side, even if it's an extreme opinion like racism, like fascism, and having a negative response where we are glad that they're dead. Because that doesn't cause change, and that just causes bitterness in us. 
And listening to him, I could see how that was building a bitterness in me. And still is. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie that sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes when I see those protests, I think to myself, I hope they all hate COVID-19 and die, those fascist Nazi bastards. I'm not going to lie. That happens. Even though that doesn't help. Tenant of the Church of Awesome, which is treat others awesome. But with the knowledge that I have of that Pavlovian response for joy, I can think of a better way of feeling. And then creating an anchor every time I see one of those things that trigger me in that negative way and trigger a positive, more helpful response. One of compassion, empathy, love. Because the reality is most people are not psychopaths or sociopaths. They're people who are afraid and they think this is their best way to making life a better place. In fact, if you really think of the world today and take that viewpoint that people are just trying their best with what they have and moving forward in the way they think is best. And they're not specifically trying to harm other people. Heck, even most racist people aren't like that. In fact, most positive ways I can see people helping those people who are having those such hateful feelings, getting them to see the humanity in people that they hate. In fact, that's just the best way. Because the only way to truly hate, unless you are a sociopath or psychopath, is to dehumanize others. And you have that Pavlovian response to dehumanize. So if you want to spark joy in your life, you have to look upon the people who causes you to shut down, who causes you to close your heart, who causes you to lose empathy. Ram Dass had this meditation that he did where he would put up pictures of people who he disliked. At the time, it was Trump before that. At times, it was George Bush, who he didn't like. And he'd put them on his altar, and every time he would look at them, you know, the first feeling he would get would be anger, being just full of hate. But then he realized it's time to love. And he would work use those people that he most disliked to open up compassion, empathy, love. Using that Pavlovian response of looking at people you don't like instead of hatred and anger that can consume you and utilizing that to spark love, peace, joy, empathy. Because anger isn't a bad emotion, but it is an emotion that if you succumb to it, makes you hyper-focused. And if you're hyper-focused, you cannot find the best solution to your problem. And it can take you down a rabbit hole of pain and misery. And so you want to get to the point where you can feel those emotions. I'm not saying don't feel them, of course. Every emotion is valid. Your emotions mean something. However, when you feel those negative emotions, process it and utilize that to trigger a joy-filled response so you can do an action that brings more love into this world rather than more hate, rather than more pain. And that's what it means to be awesome. And it's hard. It's very hard. We all have beliefs. We all have beliefs that mean something to us. And a lot of times you see other people going against your beliefs and going against your beliefs in a way that you find harmful and painful. But when you shut yourself down to love, you shut yourself down to the solution. And the reality is the solution is always to spread love. At least it is for me. This is Brett Dupree from the Church of Awesome, your catalyst of transformation. Reminding you once again to be love, to be joy, to be awesome. For more information about the Church of Awesome, check out the churchofawesome.com. The Church of Awesome is recorded live 8 a.m. Pacific Time 
at the Church of Awesome Facebook group. Now go out and live an awesome life.